The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this program do not necessarily stand or reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 20th of March, 2020. I am your host, Bad Billy. Got a great show, different show lined up for you this week. Going to lay off the politics for once. I hope you're happy with that. Uh, Maybe a tiny bit of politics, but not very much in this show. Um, But uh, mostly this is going to be focused around the combat sports. Unfortunately, not all of it is good. Uh, So what I have decided to do is uh, reached into the archives of AOW Productions and uh, wanted to give you guys a little something different this week. So we've got two interviews in the first hour, one of them kind of short, the other one uh, about a little over a half hour long, I think. So in uh, the first hour... Uh, you're going to hear the interview that I conducted uh, with Mac from Virginia on Fight Nation Radio back in 2011 when we both interviewed Rowdy Ronda Rousey. Uh, this was before she was in the UFC, before she was in the WWE, but uh, nonetheless, it was great to talk to her. Second interview from 2012 when I talked to the first uh, champion out of South Africa, the what was then the EFC middleweight champion, Gareth Soldier Boy McClellan, when I talked to him on the day of his title defense uh, when he went up against Jeremy Pitbull Smith. So all that's coming up for you. Before we get to all that, I want to cue If You're Scared, Say You're Scared by Blackhawk. And with, with that said, be back after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. And now, from a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out, it's Outlaw Radio. Yeah. 
I'ma do it, I'ma split your grill. And yeah, that's right, catch a doctor bill. Mess with a brother, tags and skills, go no gold. I feel no pain. Fight like me, it's like fighting a train. I intimidate, dominate, ship your life break. Drop in the seat and feed you to the sharks. I'ma break every bone got made in your body. You can see the hate when I illustrate. If you're scared, say you're scared. This is your last chance. I'm making it known. The Grim Reaper, yeah, here to take you home. You gon' suffer, suffer. Your face gon' bleed. Cardiac arrest, you just can't breathe. thrill seeker rocking out to the station i hear you you're probably even sipping on a drink right now an average blah blah drink in a can or bottle one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you i'll bet you want something different don't you something more take your shot with cold cock whiskey the best whiskey anywhere why because it's different from other liquors cold cock whiskey is herbal whiskey 100 all natural herbs blended with aged american whiskey no more morning
chasing after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at Spirit Stores and Distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. When you get angry, start counting to ten. When you get to eight, throw a punch. Nobody ever sees that coming. Words of power. They have meaning. A people which is able to say everything becomes able to do everything. Freedom of speech. Freedom of expression. Right to free speech. and guarantees everyone a voice. In 1852, Frederick Douglass spoke out against the injustices of slavery. In 1873, Susan B. Anthony argued the prejudice of voting laws. In 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. helped to end segregation laws. These voices changed history. Make your voice heard. For more information, visit www.freedomofspeechpsa. First, there was Cranked Up Live. This is Cranked Up Live. Then, Cranked Up Went Country. Today's best and tomorrow's greats. Cranked Up Country. Now, Cranked Up Live is back. This is a sizzling hot podcast. Cranked Up Live. Curtis McKinney and Brad Hennington will keep you listening, keep you laughing, and keep you coming back for more. Convicted felons will no longer be called convicted felons. Do you know what they want to call them, Curtis? <laughs> no. Justice-involved individuals is what they renamed them. Listen and download the podcasts at crankeduplive.com. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash crankeduplive. Cranked Up Live. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. Hey, I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard If You're Scared, Say You're Scared by Black Hawk. Black spelled B-L-A-Q-U-E. That's quite unique, isn't that? Anyway, without any further ado, here's the interview back from 2011 on Fight Nation Radio with Mac from Virginia. This is our interview with former UFC women's champion, Rowdy Ronda Rousey. Yes, let's Go on with Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion. Boxing! It'll be scored as a knockout! It's all over! We've got a brand new heavyweight champion of the world, Mike Tyson! Kickboxing! Martial Arts. Professional Wrestling. And apparently Hell in a Cell match is officially underway. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion. Knuckle up and throw down. Welcome to this week's episode of Fight Nation Radio, powered by blogtalkradio.com and AOW Productions. If you don't know my name by now, you just haven't been listening. I'm your host, Matt, coming to you live from Virginia, and on today's show, you will be hearing from UFC bantamweight title challenger, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, top 10 featherweight, Eric Koch, and strike force featherweight, Rowdy Ronda Rousey. We've got her online. I believe she's at uh, area code 310. Uh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay, welcome to the show. Uh, real quick, uh, before I was about to mention who I'm going to have on my show next week is somebody you're familiar with, Rhonda, and that's uh, Autumn Richardson, the one who was able to last the longest with you, and we get to hear her story on my show coming up next week. Definitely. Uh, oh, Rhonda. I'm glad to... Go ahead, Go I'm ahead. sorry. <laughs> No, no, I think that's just funny. That's the, that's the way you introduce her, the girl that lasted the longest. <laughs> right, in 50, what, seven seconds, something like that? Yeah, 57 yeah, seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Rhonda, I'd like to thank you for joining the show. Old 8 Olympic bronze medalist, you're undefeated at 3-0 and in your pro career, and you were 3-0 and also in your amateur career. A lot of the fans of the show are familiar with female fighters, but those who aren't. Why don't you give us a little background a on little yourself, background. how you got into judo and, you know, transitioned to the sport of mixed martial arts? Uh, well, I, I got into judo when I was 11 years old. My mom was uh, the world champion, the first American world champion for judo in 1984. And um, in six years, I was already on my first Olympic team, and the next Olympics, I medaled. I got a bronze. And... Um, after that Olympics, I was kind of over judo, and I didn't know what else to do with myself, because uh, that was pretty much the only skill I had, and I was considering either becoming a rescue swimmer for the Coast Guard or trying MMA. So I uh, would give the MMA thing a try, and it's been going really good so far. Now, I don't know, when, when I look at your record, your amateur career and your pro career, not one of your fights have made it past the first minute of the first round, all ending by arm bar. Is that your signature move or something? Sorry, what was the question? My coach is distracting me. <laughs> so, I would say that out of all six of your fights so far, not one of them have made it past the first minute of the first round, and they've all ended by arm bar. Is that your signature move? Is that your go-to move in every fight? Um, I mean, it's not what I intentionally go out there with in mind, but I, I always try to go out there um, kind of, like, open to, um, what's the word, improvising. Like, my last fight, the, the armbar that I did, the jumping up one, I, I hadn't trained that at all once, ever. It just kind of came to mind at this moment. I, I just kind of always, when I go in to fight, I just kind of, I have my, my first exchange in mind, but after that, I just kind of make it up as I go along. Now, your biggest fight of your career so far, um, in my opinion, was the, your pro debut, actually, against Eddie Ann Gomez. You gave her her second loss. Her first was, was against Amanda Nunez back at Battelli Combat 6, I believe. Um, was there any nerves going into your pro debut, and could you tell any difference between the amateur and pro ranks? Um, well, I mean, I, 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 I
Um, right now, I, I can't really tell that much of a difference between uh, amateur and pro and women's MMA. I mean, there's so many new women filing right now. Like, um, you know, there's Olympic medalists, you know, wrestlers, and, you know, me fighting amateurs, you know, more than any in the pros for a while. So, I mean, while there's still, like, girls filing into divisions, I think that the amateur and pro are very similar. And I think my, my heart is not so far. It's actually against Taylor Stratford, who was my third amateur fight. Um, so, no, I don't think there's that much of a difference so far. But, but the fight with Eddie Yanni, that was, um, that was a big one for me because I had the, the injury on my foot right before that. I, I got bit by a pit bull, like, Two, like two days before that, and I had nine stitches in my foot, and I had to hide it coming wow. in. And um, it was just, I mean, I think I was, in hindsight, I think that was absolutely crazy to try and do that. But um, now I know that whatever the circumstances are before any fight, I know it's entirely possible for me to win. So I think it, mentally it was a very important match. Now, finishing all of your fights so early, do you see that as a, a problem, not getting that experience in, in the, the cage or... I mean, how, how do you see that helping you in the future? Because you are defending, defeating these girls fairly quickly, fairly, extremely quickly. <laughs> and, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of experience, you know, is needed in the fight game. You have that experience in your, in your judo background, but let's say you face someone that you aren't able to take down as, as quickly. Do you think it hurts you in the fight game to not be able to get more uh, time in a match? Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a problem to not have that much, you know, ring experience, actual time in there. But I think it also it helps me a lot to. Yeah. Sorry, my my coach has a lot of input on this subject, uh, but um, <laughs> he's chiming in. But no, I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing for my competitors too, because they know right away that. There's no feeling out period with me, so I know right away the first thing in their mind is, you know, I have to stay away. And, I, and I, just like, I just like the idea of every single time someone has to come in to fight me that they're already thinking defensively. So, you know, I think I can deal with, you know, a match going longer. And, um, you know, I, I have enough training. I think I'd be able to deal with it when it does happen the first time. But I, I don't think any of those girls have any experience dealing with somebody like me for the first time. Now, you actually train with uh, Gokor Trevichian and Judo Jean LaBelle and all those guys down there. How, how have they helped you preparing for mixed martial arts and, you know, transitioning, transitioning your Judo over to this sport? Um, I think they kind of, they help me with my confidence more than anything else. Um, they made me feel like from the very beginning that, um, you know, I was capable of winning the belt without any training, you know, so it kind of, they made me feel like, okay, if I did have training, you know, this is something entirely possible for me. And they kind of helped connect me with all my current coaches. And um, they made available to me all the teammates and all the, everybody that I trained with. So they were kind of, they were like connectors for me because I didn't really trust anybody in MMA in the beginning. I kind of had a very bad impression of, you know, that crowd. So, <laughs> sorry, someone is trying to distract me while I'm being professional. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, no, they're awesome. I, I, I adore Gene, and uh, he's actually going to be my date for the World of MMA Awards uh, coming up in November. I got nominated for Female Fighter of the Year, and um, it's all by fan vote. So if you guys want to go online, it's, uh, if you just type in World MMA Awards 2011 to Google, and just click on vote and vote for me, and then you can see Gene be my date in a big pink suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. We'll, we'll post a link to that up on our walls. You got anything for Rhonda, Billy? Um, 
No, not not really at this time. And Eddie, Eddie, I've got you in the queue. If you have any questions, uh, no, sir, not not at this particular time. Okay. Well, Rhonda, I want to talk Hi. a little bit about uh, your your last fight, real quickly, against Sarah Delilio. Uh, what were your thoughts on that fight? Uh, it was very controversial, to say the least, in a lot of people's eyes. What, what were your thoughts on, you know, the end of that fight? Um, my thoughts are her arm was popping out and she was yelling tap tap. She said she was just yelling ah. But the thing is, a verbal condition is condition. There's no real, you know. She admitted to it. She's like, oh, I didn't say tap. I just screamed at the top of my lungs. I mean, that's not really an argument. I mean, the referee comes and tells you right beforehand. Anything verbal during a submission counts as a submission. And so she was made fully aware of that, as I was, the second before we walked in there. And I was actually very disappointed in the way that she reacted to it because she knew she was beat. I know she was beat. I would have been down to go and try that all over again and arm barter another 20 seconds. But um, I think she, you know, I think it worked out great for her because there was some controversy over it because I think she knew and I knew and everybody else knew that she was going to get beat that day. I mean, the odds were like 7-1. to one. And um, I was just disappointed that she would she would actually go out of her way and try and paint that victory for me because that was a freaking flying armbar. It was sick, and I really am kind of pissed that like you know, more people are talking about. Oh my god, it was so controversial. But I mean, now I have the green light to break anyone's arm that I want without getting any kind of criticism. So um, yeah, I'm actually kind of stoked on the way it ended. I just gonna have to treat this next match before you know kind of have to validify myself. So. I apologize beforehand to Julia, but but anything that happens to her, she can blame Sarah Delio. Well, that's definitely a, a good way to look at it. You know, if if she doesn't tap and and the referee comes in and, and stops it, you know, you, you did her a favor by not breaking her arm. Uh, yeah, and right her arm then, was at so. an angle. It wasn't like it was just dislocated. I was going to tear ligaments if I popped that arm out for sure. Now, have you had any heat, or was it mostly support from the fans of the sport and the fans of yours? Oh, I got a lot of support. Anyone that knew what they were looking at, they knew that that, that armbar was in. I mean, her her elbow was, her wrist was tucked like under my armpit. I could have, I was just holding my position. Even if the referee let it keep going, I could have broken it again from that spot. Anyone that knew that they were looking at it knew that it was over. And anybody else that argued otherwise is just kind of, you know, showing their own ignorance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great point right there. You all need to check that out somewhere online if you haven't had a chance to look at it. She was going nowhere. She was locked in there. Um, now, your, your next fight is up in, I believe, November at Strikeforce Challenger 20 against Julia Budd. What are your thoughts on her, and what kind of problems do you think she give you, or challenges, I should say? Um, I mean, I think she has more experience striking than me, but, I mean, if you think of it this way, she has, she's 7-1 in Muay Thai, she's 2-0 in boxing, and 2-1 in MMA, so that's, that's 13 fights total. And 13 times she's competed in her entire life, whereas I've competed thousands of times in my life. Uh, my coach says I'll mess her up standing up too. <laughs> but um, I mean, I think this is uh, there's a, such a great disparity in experience there that um, you know I, I think I'll, I'll definitely be fine. And I was watching some other fights of hers when she was actually supposedly fighting other grappler girls and trying to keep distance, and she just kind of failed horribly at it. And um, I think that. <laughs> Uh, my yeah. coach, let me tell you something. My girl's a bronze medalist. Give that shit straight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a direct quote. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. But no, I feel. I think I'll be fine. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I never take a fight that I don't think I
You know, a lot of people give Julia Budd credit for her wins over Shayna Baszler and Duran um, Me, All you had to really do is take the Me down, and uh, you, you pose a totally different threat from her. You're not a 135-pounder coming up to knock her out in 14 seconds either, so uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to definitely be an interesting uh, fight to see because that's another one of those fights where you know most people would expect you to win under a minute again in the first round. Now, with the way Strike Force is headed, uh, and we'll let you go here shortly, but what, what, what are your thoughts on the way they're handling women's MMA? Do you, do you see it being around for a while? Oh, I love how they're handling it. I love the way they've been promoting the fights, and they've been behind me 100%, and um, they've done everything that they can to you know, promote and publicize like all my fights coming up, and I feel like they wouldn't be going through so much effort to promote women's MMA in my matches if they were thinking to phase it out. And also, since they're like making UFC International and doing all these extra events all over the over the world, they're going to need title fights to fill in all those events. You know, you can't just put on an event. You need to have fights to fill it. And I think if you have people interested in twice as many divisions, then you can have twice as many events that people want to watch. So I, I think that in Zufa's best interest to keep the women's MMA around and to keep people interested in it. So, no, I'm so excited. I think I see really good things coming. Yeah, they have a lot of women that's getting into the sport of MMA and becoming UFC and MMA fans too, and, and they definitely need someone to identify with as well. And I exactly. think that, yeah, I, I've been following yeah. uh, the female fighters since 2002, and I'm a huge supporter of you all. And thank you. You know, the big the big thing for them is that they just recently signed Cyborg back to to a new contract. I heard it was a pretty decent contract as well. Uh, how soon do you see yourself uh, squaring off with Cyborg? You know, I would like to have, like, five or six professional fights. I mean, people do forget that um, I've been doing MMA for only one year. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I know, I, th- I always thought that I would win from day one without any training. You know, that's just the way that I've always thought. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, from August to August is my entire MMA career. So I'm trying to get some more experience so I can really um, not just win, but uh, win in style. <laughs> that's what I would like. Well, I do have a couple of questions, actually. Oh, um, um, for, first off, Rhonda, do you, you normally uh, you fight at one thirty-five or forty-five, or are you comfortable at either weight? Um, I actually I, I fight at one forty-five. When I did judo, I fought at uh, one thirty-eight for a while, and I had a lot of trouble making that division for a very long time. And um, was fighting at one fifty-four because those were the only two divisions, and one forty-five was oh. right in the middle, and it's absolutely perfect for me. If I would just fight at one thirty-five, it'd be once or twice. A very, you know, more of a special event, supervised thing. I, I can't make it on a regular basis and have it be healthy. Oh, okay. I, I totally understand what you're saying there. You know, it's like like we see the problem with Erin Towhill. You know, she she would have a, have trouble making one forty-five. She could probably do it, but. Uh, Elena Maxwell told me she looks like she has AIDS every time she drops down to that weight division. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, some AC is a Holocaust victim every single time I go into fight. Yeah. You know, and right. uh, I don't think that's a very good example for other women, too. You know, they don't want to see yeah. girls, you know, it's supposed to be the peaks of athleticism and, you know, and strength looking like they're completely emaciated. I mean, I don't think that's a very good example. I agree. My... Another question that I have is I don't want to give too much away on the uh, interview I have coming up with Autumn Richardson, but uh, she told me, I don't, I don't know if it was uh, the fight against you, but I know it was uh, a, a few of her fights. She, she would prefer to fight at, at 135, she told me. 
and uh, her fights have been uh, same uh, same day weigh-ins as the fights, which I think they should implement a lot more. To be honest with you, but that's my personal opinion. But is uh, that you uh, pretty much been the, the case uh, with most of your fights? Is uh, the day you weigh in is the same day you fight? Um, I only did that for my first amateur fight, but for judo, I mean, I weighed in like an hour and a half before I fought every single time, and, um, so I didn't like that. <laughs> it's not that I like having the day in the middle, I do. I mean, I've been cutting weight well enough where I haven't really had to lose any water weight at all. I've been able to diet it all off and do it, like, do it all healthily, and I haven't had any problems, and, you know, like, I would rather keep it that way, um... I don't think that having it the same day is going to make uh, anyone any happier or anyone not drop to a division. Now, people are going to drop to a division and do things unhealthy regardless of what the rules are or not. So I'd rather just do whatever makes me comfortable. But at Toronto, I think, I think that probably 135 is a good idea for her. She's doing, uh, like probably a little small for 145 to me. And I think with the day, in bef- with the day before, it would probably help out. Well, Rhonda, we appreciate you for uh, taking the time out to join the show. You got another question for Billy? No, no. Oh, well, before we let you go, Rhonda, why don't you give a shout-out to your gym and thank all of the people who support you, including your sponsors. Uh, I need to give a shout-out to uh, GSC and my, my coach, Edwin, right here, who was trying to distract me like, <laughs> during this whole interview. <laughs> I want to thank everybody at uh, Hyacinth and SK Gold Boys and Results and Dynamics and all my sponsors, Business Manny, Clinch Gear, um, Pawnee Watches, FastRooting.com, um, Fuji, Mizuno, anyone I'm forgetting, my mama. My, my manager, Darren, well, I think that's pretty much it. Anyone I forgot, I'm sorry. That's Rhonda Rousey. She will be taking on uh, Julia Budd at Strikeforce Challenges 20 in November. Rhonda, thanks for joining us. No, thank you for having me. Have a good one, guys. You too. Good luck. Hey, thanks. Bye. You bet. Yeah. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with the former UFC women's champion, Rowdy Rhonda Rousey. And now... Here is the interview that I conducted back on March 2nd, 2012 with the very first champion uh, I've ever had on my show out of South Africa. This is Gareth Soldier Boy McClellan. Hey, what's up, bud? How's things going? I thought. Oh, well, I, I think I kind of envy, envy you on the weather situation because it's cold here in the U.S. and you got the, you got the uh, you got it nice down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about thirty degrees, sun shining, great place to be at the moment. Um, see, I'm in, I'm in Las Vegas where it's we're known for the heat, but yet it's it still gets cold here. Don't get me wrong. But it, yeah, <laughs> that's a different for you, huh? Yes. Anyway, uh, on with the show, um, Gareth. My first question for you. Is uh, what uh, want want to make you what want to make you get started in MMA in the first place? What were your early inspirations? Yeah, it was something that happened pretty much by accident. Um, I was playing uh, top flight rugby in South Africa, um, and they moved me on to uh, uh, start um, trying out for a, a top level team in South Africa called the the Sharks. Um, they wanted a conversion position, so I had to go through various processes. One of the things that they were worried about was the, the fact that I, I lacked a bit of fitness, and uh, they moved you know they moved me on to a guy who at the time was uh, in charge of looking after after the place fitness and um, he was actually an MMA guy um, so as the training started you know we went through and then I was going through the process 
boxes and how you would train speed MMA athletes. And, um, you know, I started picking up the skills very quickly and he was very impressed with that and, and said to me, you know, why don't you try doing a few amateurs and, and see if it's something that you would enjoy. Um, I agreed to it, picked up uh, my first amateur fight and uh, it was warm. No, it was two, two guys slugging it out and, and going crazy and, and I was very sore, but I'd never experienced anything like that in my whole entire life. And, uh, you know, I, I was hooked. Okay. Now, I, I do have to ask you, I mean, I'll, I've got to tell you, uh, you know, even though Neil, Neil Grove, when he was here on the show, he kind of set me straight on the way things are in uh, Johannesburg. But uh, I have heard horror stories in, uh, about the city of Johannesburg. So prior to going into MMA, had, had you had any uh, street fighting experience where you found yourself in a certain situation and you had to throw down? Well, look, I mean, at the end of the day, as kids in South Africa, we grow, we grow up tough, you know, um, uh, we grow up hard to look, uh, learning to look after ourselves and, and learning that uh, never to back down from a situation. Don't let anybody bully you or, or walk all over you. So, you know, there were cases I felt I had to defend myself, but I was never the kind of person that went out looking for trouble. Okay. All right. That's always good to know. And uh, I've got to stress something to my listeners here, too. Um, I've I've had former champions on my show like uh, Maurice Smith, former UFC heavyweight champion. I've had final champions like uh, Nick the Goat Thompson, who was the final uh, champion for Bodog Fight, and then they discontinued the uh, promotion. You, my friend, are the first ever current champion to ever be on my show, and I got to ask you, how does that feel? Well, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm very excited that I'm starting to to be recognised around the world, and and, and guys are, are paying interest in me, and it just means that I'm doing something right in my career, and um, it means that the goals that I've set for myself and the places that I want to go are, are going to happen. Hey, absolutely. I mean, uh, we, you know, I've I've seen uh, footage of you fighting, and uh, you know, I I just have. Can't help but wonder why are you not in the UFC, Strike Force, or Bellator? You know, you, you, from what I've seen, you deserve to be there. Your skills are are phenomenal, and I think uh, I think you can do well. But uh, one thing that uh, cannot be ignored about uh, South Africa is uh, Katie Shea told me this last week that uh, you you guys there with uh, uh, what's it called uh, fight. Mo- so what's the name of your Fight team? Fit Militia. Fight Fit Militia. Yes. Militia. Yes. The, you you guys train harder than the Americans do, than the, actually than the Brazilians and the, probably the Japanese, because you've got some catching up to do. You're a bit behind, uh, where especially where wrestling's concerned. But you've been having people like uh, Richard Kwan come over from Thailand. You've been having people coming over from Brazil to help you at the ground game. You know, to, since starting MMA. Uh, what do you think was the first thing you really needed to work on? Was uh, striking or uh, the grappling aspect? Look, I mean, uh, we come from a very, very strong uh, striking background. Um, we have an excellent uh, stand-up program, yeah. Um, you know, and we, we, we were a little bit behind, and well, I should say, uh, you know, we, we've got some things to learn in terms of the wrestling and, uh, and the jit side of it, um, you know, and, and all-round ground game. Um, but we've done extremely well to catch up uh, and, and get to where we are, you know, in the short space of time that we've had. Um, we, like you said, we work very intelligently, and, uh, you know, we punch out a lot of hours in, in, in these different disciplines to make sure that we, we can handle, um, you know, when we start taking on the, the international fighters. 
All right. Yeah, and I, I definitely look forward to that. I, w- I want to see you here in Vegas. That's what I, you know, I want to see you in, in Vegas, in uh, Atlantic City. I, I want to see you on American soil, and I want you to be able to s- showcase your skill. I want Dana White to pick you for the ultimate fighter. I'd, I'd really like to see that. So, anyway, yeah, I want to, yeah, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, I mean, look, it's the ultimate goal, and that's what we're pushing hard for. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you, um, I know you kind of got your uh, sights set on the UFC, what fighter doesn't, but uh, have you considered uh, any of the, uh, the smaller promotions uh, that are still pretty big here, like Bellator or Strikeforce? Look, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we, we're looking at all the options, and um, the ultimate goal is the UFC, but whatever we have to take to get there, you know, we, we're more than willing to go, and um, we're more than willing to get in and, and do our thing in the cage. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to talk about uh, your career. Um, you've been fighting for a short period of time, going on three years. Um, you made your, according to SureDog, and uh, I don't, I know that SureDog is sometimes ina- inaccurate, but it has you as uh, six, one, and zero. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. Okay, and you made you made your MMA debut against a gentleman by the name of J.P. Kruger and beat him by an armbar uh, back in 2009. Now, is that accurate? Uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't so much an on It was actually a guillotine. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, 100% uh, correct. Okay, well, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners about that fight and how you felt prior to the fight and how you felt, uh, how the fight went for you and how you felt after the fight. Look, I mean, basically it was like uh, any first-time thing. It was a lot of nerves and uh, um, a lot of, uh, you know, what the unknown was and, and, and what to expect and, and, you know, a lot of things running through the mind. But once I got to to, uh, to walk in and, and get, in, get in, the, in the ring, you know, I calmed down and I settled and, and I focused on what I had to do. And, um, yeah, I mean, it came out, he came out very quick and very hard and explosive um, and very, very high standard of strike. Um, you know, I caught him with uh, two big low kicks, which slowed him down uh, uh, considerably. You know, he came on the attack, uh, got the takedown, and, and finished with a guillotine as quick as possible. So, saying you, you got the takedown sounds like uh, you know I've I've seen what you can do. So you sound you sound very very confident uh, in your wrestling ability as well as your striking, correct? Well, yeah, you know, the process is, uh, as it's gone, as, uh, the skills have got better and better and better, and the more, the better, the more confident I feel, you know. Um, I'm not afraid to go to the ground. I'm not afraid to stand either, you know. I, I feel that I have to be a complete uh, MMA athlete to compete at the top level, and um, I make sure that all the bases are covered. Eh? Absolutely. I mean, you have to do that to be involved in the sport. Now, um, as far as uh, your ground game, take a, take a minute to talk about that and the, the training. Uh, last week, Katie Shea told me you've had the opportunity to train with uh, great fighters like GSP, and uh, I forgot who else she mentioned, but uh, please enlighten me of who else she trained with and what that training was like. Um, well, you know, we were very fortunate uh, um, to 
be invited to uh, Tri-Star Gym in, in Canada, um, where we spent some time. And I was very lucky to to, to be around um, a lot of good fighters and uh, guys like uh, Rory McDonald and, and GSP and uh, Miguel Torres. You know, I spent some time with uh, Dennis King. Um, you know, a lot of good up-and-coming uh, guys like uh, Mike Ritchie and um, Cajun Johnson, you know, um, Alex Garcia. Um, you know, I was also very fortunate to spend a little time with Tom Pearson, um, you know, and these guys are, are, are passed on a bit of knowledge and, um, you know, allowed me the opportunity to, to do some sparring with them and some grappling. And, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was very happy about them. And I was very happy where, where I was and, and what I had managed to achieve across the first time, you know, and I, I'm, I thank them tremendously for the opportunity that they gave me. And, and it was a big help in, in terms of, uh, my career going forward. Absolutely. So I take it, uh, you went back to Johannesburg with, uh, with uh, some new tools to, uh, in your toolbox, obviously, to share with your fellow teammates, correct? Well, yeah, not only that, it was also a case of, uh, you know, a confidence, a big confidence boost. You know, you have the ability to hang around with some of the biggest names in the world. And, uh, you know, it goes a long way from from, from, from a place where we've been very cut off from the sport for a long time. You know, we're now getting these opportunities and, and you, you get to, to spend some time with these athletes and, and you realize, you know, you're doing, you're doing the right thing and you're going in the right direction. Absolutely. Now, going back to your MMA career, I see your second fight would unfortunately did not fall in your favor, but you later avenged that loss. So go ahead and tell our listeners about both of those fights, and especially going into the second fight with Wayne Wade Henderson, uh, how, how you uh, what was going through your mind. Well, coming to my, in my career, the first one, it was Wade Henderson was a very big name in the sports. I mean, a guy who'd been around a long time and had a lot of fights. And, uh, you know, he was the guy that if you really wanted to test yourself, you uh, you got in and, and you, you duked it out. Um, you know, the first fight, I was very confident in my skills and, and maybe a little too confident. And, and for such a young fighter, I, I made a lot of mistakes and he punished me for that. And uh, um, I, I really had to take a look at myself and, and take a step back and, and, and see that, you know, that I wasn't this invincible guy yet and, and I was still very young and I still had a lot to learn. Um, you know, obviously him knocking me out and uh, uh, I then uh, just set my, my sights on, on, on really just perfecting what I'm doing and, and, and being 100% perfect in every time that I get in the ring. Um, you know, a little later on, uh, I was given the opportunity to, to fight him again and there was a lot of mixed feelings going into that. It was a case of, of you know, I wanted revenge and I wanted to achieve this and I wanted to beat him and show everybody that I could beat him. Um, it was also a case of I had a look at him and last you know, it was just another fight to my career and, and it was uh, uh, an, another way to push myself forward. Um, so I had to really, really rein my emotions in and, and be focused and uh, really work hard and, and go out and uh, uh, do the best that I can. Uh, come fight night, I, I was in the best shape of my life and, and prepared the best that I possibly could. And, you know, we got into a war and uh, I managed to finish him with a real naked choke. And, uh, you know, I was very happy with that victory. And it just showed me that at the end of the day, I can compete with the, with, with the best athletes in, in the business in, in South Africa. Absolutely. Now, uh, which fight was it uh, that uh, you actually competed for and won the 185-pound uh, belt? 
that was my last one and it was against a guy called Jockey Bear. Um, a guy that had picked up a lot of strength for being a ferocious sucker. A guy that has had an amazing chin, um, was really, really tough and really durable. So he wasn't a guy that you were going to just walk in and knock out. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I had to think hard about it and, and I, I had to really, really, really be focused and, and, and make sure that there were no mistakes. Um, so the camp was probably the best that I've had up until date. Um, I then put in the hours, put in the hard work, um, and was very comfortable in, in, in myself going into that fight. Um, it started out in a very fast pace. Um, unfortunately, um, I am a guy that suffers from asthma, and uh, it was something that, that happened in the ring. Um, obviously, we were very unsure on, on the rules and, and regulations in terms of taking asthma pumps and that and competing in it. So at that stage, it was banned, and uh, I had to fight through the fight with an asthma attack. You know, I, I'm very fortunate I had an amazing, amazing team that I do. Um, you know, they reconsolidated and uh, made sure it wasn't something that was got in my head. And I just had to grind it out, you know, and and really just work hard and 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 eventually pick up the victory. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, you know, something I should have asked Katie Shea last week that uh, now I, I just now thought of. But uh, they're in uh, South Africa. Do they have some form of sanctioning body uh, that uh, regulates uh, the combat sports there? We, we do. Um, we do have a regulation body. Um, we also governed by South African government and, uh, you know, you obviously fall under the South African Anti-Doping Commission. So, um, yeah, you know, we get tested on a, on a, on a regular basis and the guys are um, treated as any other athlete that, that competes in any other sports around the world. Now, um, obviously, I, I know you, you have to respect anybody that gets in the cage, uh, you know, with their with their name out there. But uh, I do I do have to ask you since uh, you you uh, bring that up, like uh, recent names like uh, Chris Cyborg Santos and King Molawal, recently getting popped uh, for banned substances. And, and I, when you hear things like that, what goes through your mind? You know, I mean, obviously as fighters, we, we, we try and uh, we not judge people and, uh, you know, people make mistakes. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a shame that people have to go to that extent to... Uh, to make uh, to make themselves compete at a top level, you know, I just believe at the end of the day it's got to be a case of hard hard work. You know, you don't get nothing for free, um, and it's more it's more satisfying that um, that when you compete and you win and you achieve, you know, for by doing something on your own, um, you know, it makes you feel that much better. In saying that, I don't know exactly what what the what the causes were and exactly what happened with them, so I can't comment too much on what. On what they uh, what they've done or, or, or what has happened, but I just believe that it's something that shouldn't happen, and I believe that people should put in the hard work and, and not be fooled by doing uh, things like taking uh, you know performance drugs. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's good to hear that uh, the South African Commission is watching this. Unlike up in the UK, they're really they don't have a sectioning sanctioning body for uh you know so a lot of them and as japan too does not have a sanctioning body and uh, and uh, there's a big use of steroids out there and it's a shame but it's good to see that somebody else is out there concerned about this and uh definitely uh, keeping it under the microscope that's great and helping keep the sport clean 
because uh, Katie Shea also told me last week that just as we have here in the U.S., you in South Africa have met with opposition and uh, people trying to ban the sport, too, so... Well, yeah, you know, I mean, that's it's. I think it's the same in any anywhere in the world. I think there are people that object to what we're doing, um, but you know, we just got to look at what we're doing, and we've got to look at the response that we've had over the last ten years and where the sport is going, um, and um, how many people actually love what we do and appreciate what we do. You know, uh, people need to understand that we 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 understand what we're doing and we know the what what uh, the dangers are, but we prepare for that. You know, we don't we don't make mistakes. We we don't make mistakes. We don't. Uh, take things like yeah, we make sure that we're 100% ready when we get in that cage. Absolutely. And uh, going going back to your career, I'm looking at uh, another fight uh, on your record here, which uh, I haven't. Uh, I looked for uh, footage on it, but uh, I can't seem to find it. Find it out there. But uh, tell our listeners about your fight, uh, and correct me if I get the name wrong, please. Your fight against uh, Juan Luby. Oh, uh, Jean Lover. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, look. I mean, John came up being a very competent striker in South Africa. had a had a had a very um, very big name in terms of the striking circles, um, but didn't have much of a ground game. You know, he was a guy that that, that lacked there a little bit. Um, you know, going into this fight, I feel I, I had a bit of feeling that people thought that I was a bit, you know, a bit conservative and uh, I was a bit soft and uh, and I didn't have that killer instinct and and I I, I wouldn't finish a fight if I could. Um, you know. So so going into this fight, I just said to myself, you know, I'm going to take my opportunity, and when it comes, I'm going to make sure that I end it, and I'm going to end it quickly. Um, you, when I got an opportunity, we take, I got to take down, and, and and once I was on top, I just I just let it rip, and, and I just threw down some heavy, heavy hands, and uh, yeah, I, I knocked him out, and um, you know, I was very happy with the performance. But in saying that, you know, I I, I mean no harm to anybody, and I don't want to go into a ring to to cause anybody any damage. I'm just here to do my job. Hey, hey, there's a, that's a different response because a, a lot of times I, I'm got to tell you I'm used to hearing uh, you know that they they don't wish harm on other people, but uh, if somebody gets hurt in the process, that's the name of the game. Basically, I'm used to hearing things like that, but you you definitely paint a different picture for me, and I like that too. Basically, showing that uh, you're there to do a job, but still you have uh, compassion for another human being, but even though you accept the fact that either you or him might get hurt. Well, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, we we both know our responsibilities and we both know what we're getting ourselves into um, and we take responsibility for that, you know. Um, you know, I am a human guy, I do have feelings and I, and I don't wish any, any harm on anybody, but like I said, I'm just there to do my job and, and if, if, if it means I have to be aggressive, you know, I will. Absolutely. Now I've already said we we know what uh, weight you fight at, but uh, if you wanted to, could you possibly go up to light heavyweight or down to 170 to welterweight if you really felt like you wanted to? Well, look, I mean, if I if I really uh, felt that I could fight at, uh, at welterweight, I could definitely definitely make a drop to 170 pounds. Um, I walk around at the moment at about 205. Um, so, you know, uh, fighting at a light heavy in the light heavy division, I, I could do it, but I would be I wouldn't be the biggest of light heavy. Um, you know, out there, you should look at guys like Forrest Griffin and that that drop from one. You know, they drop from like 
220, 225 pounds, you know, they're big guys. Yeah, like, yeah, I've met uh, Forrest Griffin and I've met Tito Ortiz and they definitely look like they're bigger than 205 pounds for sure. Whereas uh, when I met Randy Couture, he he actually looked like he was about a 185 pound fighter and that was before he de- he defeated uh, Tim Sylvia. So, <laughs> yes. But... Uh, Anyway, uh, well, you know what they say, it's not the size of the dog, it's the fight in the dog. That's right, that's right. Yeah, I, I, I actually have a, used to have a t-shirt that said something similar to that. <laughs> but uh, coming up tonight, you have a job ahead of you. Jeremy Pitbull Smith, I've looked at footage on him, and this guy is no joke. Uh, and I heard what you said uh, about him prior to the fight. You said you and him are going to go to war, and I believe it. You know, he comes to fight, you come to fight, and uh, it's going to be a war. And I don't think this is going uh, to the decision. But uh, what uh, is he bringing to the table that you think you have to be very, very careful of? Well, look, I mean, he's, he's a very dangerous doctor. He's a guy that has very, very heavy hands, um, you know, and um, he has the ability to finish, you know. He's he's one of those guys, once he locks on something, he's coming and he can keep coming until he finishes it. Um, you know, so I have to be extremely aware about, the, uh, about that. Um, he's a guy that is uh, extremely, extremely tough. He can take a lot of punishment, you know, um, and you'll keep just pressing forward and pressing forward and pressing forward. Um, you know, he's also, he's also the guy that's the guy that you know if he needs to finish with a submission he can he, he, he's very well rounded um, he's had experience in fighting overseas um, and, and he's been winning um, so that makes him something to be very concerned about and, and, and uh, to watch carefully and, uh, and know that he is dangerous yeah like I say you, you've got a job ahead of you but then again so does he so this is the recipe for a great great fight for sure I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it I'm not going to miss uh, the fight for those of you listening out there if you want to see this fight just go to efcafrica.com and just uh, follow the menu there to where you can buy the pay-per-view i think it's only like uh, ten dollars for the pay-per-view I, i'm gonna get it i do not want to miss this fight and i look forward to seeing it but, uh, without uh, giving too much away of uh, your game plan or anything uh, i don't really want to talk about your game plan but uh, talk a little bit about your your training for this fight well, look, this training, this training camp's been very intense. Um, it's been a case of really, really being focused on every aspect of 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 the, of the fight. Um, you know, we've broken everything down into small portions and and really perfected each each portion and then put it all together. And uh, we've been working hard on the game plan and and make sure that it's 100 percent perfect. You know, on the night I, I have to be focused and I and I have to be a champion um, to retain my belt, and um, that's what I'm coming to do. Yes, I mean, uh, win or lose, I, I expect you to put on a great show. That, that's the bottom line, and I think I count. I can count on you uh, to to deliver that. And like I said, you know, without uh, knowing a whole lot about both of you, I really can't call a winner. And t- <laughs> but uh, you know, best of luck to you on that note there as well. You know, I mean, you got a title to defend and. Uh, You've got a target on your back, and uh, he's he's looking for the bullseye. So I'm I'm sure you're quite ready for that. Yeah, well, look, I mean, we know that we know what he wants, and uh, we know that he's coming hard at it. But he's uh, he's coming at somebody that uh, he, he's not scared. He's not going to back down, and he's going to give it as good as he gets. Yeah, absolutely. 
Now, something I should have asked at the, at the very beginning of the show, I guess I'll ask it now. Uh, Soldier Boy, where does that come from? How did you get that nickname? <laughs> well, yeah, look, yeah, it's quite funny how that came around. You know, it was sort of a joke between my training uh, training partners um, when I first started out, and it was a bit of a teasing thing that they had got with me. Um, you know, uh, and it sort of just stuck. It, it was something that uh, uh, the guys liked, and uh, continues to stick around. And uh, I basically just took it and, and molded my um, I molded myself around that. You know, the soldier part of it is that uh, when you go to war, you know, soldiers don't have time. To make mistakes. Um, they can't be uh, in a situation where, they, where there's a fault. You know, they have to be perfect, otherwise they get dead. Their preparation has to be 100% um, spot on, and the mental game has to be at the best that it is. And, and that's how I do my training, and that's how I focus on my fights, and that's how I bring myself to fight nights. Um, and then the boy part of it, you know, it's just basically me just sticking to myself and who I am and being, uh, being you know, being the guy, being the the guy can joke and then mess around with his friends and, and be lighthearted and you know it's just still enjoy life absolutely I mean you seem like a very very humble champion very intense uh, in the, inside the cage a very humble outside of the cage and that's that's what is you know that what a lot of people don't understand that oppose MMA is especially a lot of people think you're animals you're out to destroy maim kill whatever and they don't see people like you who are very humble outside the cage and you know I just don't I, I for the life of me I'll, I guess I never will understand that attitude well, look, you know, the way I see it is people do see me as this aggressive guy who is unapproachable and is not able to, to be civil to people. I don't see myself as a fighter. I see myself as a professional athlete. Um, that's how I approach my life and that's how I approach what I do. Um, you know, I always have time for anybody and I, and I always have time to stop and have a chat. And, you know, I just want guys to see what we really are. I just want people to appreciate us and understand that, you know, we, we are human as well and uh, we just love the work we do. Absolutely. Um, uh, just a few more questions before we wrap it up. But uh, looking on to the future, I mean, t tonight you got the title defense, and uh, but you say uh, you you want to get into the UFC or Bellator or Strikeforce in the in the long run. Who is out there that you think you want to fight and test your skills against? Well, look, at the end of the day, you know, I'm the type of guy that focuses in one fight at a time, and I don't get ahead of myself. Um, I don't try and take on too much. But, I mean, I'm just like any guy, you know. I want to be out there. I want to compete against the top fighters in the world. I want to I want to test myself. I want to see what I've got against them. You know, you look at the the 185-pound division in the UFC. There's some bad dudes there, and there's some guys who can really, really, really make things happen. And, you know, I think the, 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 the big prize for everybody is, is somebody like Anderson Silva, you know. Um, I mean, you look at guys like Charles Sonner, who who's just a beast. You know, he just comes in and he just throws it down, and he ain't scared. He ain't scared to trade with anybody. Um, you know, you got guys like Chris Lieben and um, you know Pisbing and 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 uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good fighters. You know, so we, I watch these guys and and I watch how they are and I watch what they're achieving, and then I want to be in the middle with them. You know, very soon. 
Absolutely. Now, that brings up one question. Uh, Chael Sonnen being in your weight class, he might go up to uh, face on Johnny Bones Jones. He's talked about doing that. Or he might even go up to heavyweight. But when you hear somebody like him who uh, who basically uh, runs their mouth like that, uh, do, do you find that, uh, do you laugh at that? Or uh, do you think you, you might you might be the one who uh, wants to shut him up? Well, look, at the end of the day, Charles Son is a, he's a character, and he's a guy that brings a lot of excitement to the sport. Um, you know, he, he, he's not afraid to say what he feels, and um, at the end of the day, no one can fault him, because when he gets in the ring, he puts on the performance that he needs to. Um, you know, in, in the future, if he, if he was a guy that I needed to fight, I mean, I would be more than happy to get in the ring with him and, uh, uh, and, and do my thing, but you know, that's something that's in the future, and we'll just have to see how my career goes. Absolutely. Well, uh, say Dana White was listening to this conversation right now. What would you say to him? Well, bro, basically, like to just tell him, you know, please keep an eye on me and, and watch out for me because I'm somebody that's exciting and somebody that that puts in a lot of hard work and uh, we'll give him what he wants, you know. Um, I'll give him the show that he needs and uh, I'll come to compete with anybody in his 185 uh, division. Absolutely. Well, that's about all the questions I have for you, Gareth. Um, why don't you go ahead and uh, give a shout-out to your sponsors and let our my listeners know where you can be found on the Internet. Well, yeah, you can catch me at uh, at Soldier Boy Inc. on, on Twitter, and um, you can look at my site, www.soldierboy.co today. I'm going to have a look at that. You know, otherwise, uh, Facebook, uh, Gareth McClellan, fan page, Gareth Soldier Boy McClellan. Um, yeah, my sponsors, thanks for the goal of work that you guys have done and the support that you've given me. You were saying, Tap Arts, um, you know, some of the other guys that, that, that support me and help me, and to my team, FFM, you know, they They've been a big part of making me what I am today, and um, without them, I wouldn't be where I am. Uh, yeah, the, you speak of your teammates. Uh, real quick, uh, you know, I've, I've spoke with uh, Demarte Pena. Um, who else would you recommend that I talk to on this show? Well, look, we've got some good guys in our side. We've got a guy like uh, Martin uh, for the punishment side, and a guy who's been in the industry a long time. And uh, man, is he is he something special? He's a guy you got to watch out in the welterweight division. Um, he just comes to he just comes to fight. You know, he doesn't care who you are, what your name is, what you got. I mean, he's competed against like a guy like Brian Ebersole, and um, you know, he, he he's not afraid of anybody. So I would definitely uh, get him on your show and, and have a chat to him. Another guy, Darren Daniels. Um, he's now with a bit of an injury, but what a talented guy, man. He's, uh, he's something special as well. Well, uh, all I got to say to my listeners and to the rest of uh, the MMA community on that note, too, is look out. Here comes South Africa. And like this is a gold mine, and I I don't say that loosely. This is a gold mine of talent, and these guys belong at the top level uh, of, that the sport can provide for sure. I at least that's that's what I think. So, <laughs> well, we we thank you very much for that support, bud, and uh, we're going to keep on uh, making sure that we 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 rise to those occasions. Absolutely. And uh, for those of you listening out there, if you're a manager, trainer, fighter, promoter, somebody you'd like to be interviewed on the show, or if you'd like to be one of my guest hosts and you have good knowledge of the sports of boxing, kickboxing, MMA, etc., 
you can always press four at any time to leave me feedback. And of course, you can catch me on my personal laser box. Leave me a message there if you like at 206-600-1629. And of course, uh, you can shoot me an email at octagon8125 at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit my website at octagon8125.com. Gareth, it's been a real pleasure having you here on the show. And uh, definitely best of luck to you tonight in your title defense against uh, the pit bull, Jeremy Smith. Thanks a lot, bud, and I appreciate it, and thanks for making the time for me as well. Absolutely. Now, thank you, because it's, it's guys like you that help make this uh, my show a success. Uh, so you have our support to the absolute fullest. Thanks a lot, bud. Absolutely. All right. So that was the interview I conducted back in 2012 with who was then the EFC middleweight champion, Gareth Soldier Boy McClellan. He lost his title that day, but uh, ended up uh, regaining the title a little over a year later from Jeremy Pitbull Smith, the guy he uh, lost it to. And of course, he went on to the UFC and had kind of a mediocre uh, run in the U UFC and then uh, uh, came back to the EFC uh, uh, almost two years ago, I think it was. Anyway, it is time for our first music set. Uh, coming up, we have Revile. Going to be followed by Kimberly Dunn, JR, Bad Mary, and the Joe Stam Band. Be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth? What you got? What you got?
Hey, Ma, what's for dinner? Well, we have beef teriyaki with steamed broccoli and fresh cauliflower with steamed rice with teriyaki sauce. And for dessert, we have some yummy fruit and yogurt. Mmm, it's good. Why not skip the yummy, yummy, healthy bullshit and just eat some Tide Pods? They have fast-acting yummy goodness immediately after you bite them. And you won't have to worry about being hungry again two hours later. Or perhaps for the rest of your life. So stop with all the healthy bullshit and put the fun back in dinner. And join all the memes online with Tide Pods. If it's got to be clean, it's got to be Tide. If you actually do eat these, you are a dumbass. I'm in the 
an attraction, believe me, it's sight to see Cause I'm scenic, so call me Michael Jackson Cause I'm really bad when I beat it I'm heavyweight, undefeated, man, and I really do mean it Definition of success, you can weep while you reading And I'm the nigga that you know Big Boss, CEO, River, can you hear me flow? Feel good music, six below, 1.5, meters high Cheap like six feet tall, Ellen Iverson lifestyle Can't wait to see me ball, get it on Bitch, I'm an icon, I'm so used to camera flashes I fuck with the lights on, but before I go on I need to make sure my mic Journalist asking me, JR, what you put your life on? I said I put it on working hard, praying to God and living. It's the only way to wake up and make it in my position. And until the day I die, homie, y'all never listen. That's why y'all keep on pushing and never lose my position. Somebody's gotta take that number, man. Everyone's coming for the summer jam. Thinking they on top, but they low up the mind. The past singles make a hit. Got albums making out of less hits. It's true to shit. Want you write the hip hop Bible? I say a million, a million, a million. Yeah, pop. Say a million ain't a thing. A million is just a number. Got a million in the pen. A million, then we'll talk about it. It's a matter of fact. A million, we talk about cock. I saw hands down, chin up, post like a pin up, walk like a god, man. What she be best with pin up? Oh, here we go again. Up and little hints of bitch, oh, I think I smell a setup. Crazy man walking, call me locomotive. Feel good, whatever you know, man. I own it by the, mm, by the jello mall. By not a jello ball. Get my jello tickle when Ronald Jordan, my jello ball. What is that? Since age 16, all of my clicks was cool. My main chicks were hot, my side chicks was cool. I battled cats who did school just to get this cool. My layups were quite whack, but my kicks was cool. I'm just as cool. I never rushed through school. I was slow, cause like now I thought Piff was cool. Drinking too, yeah, yo's not for me, I'm cool. And so goes for acid, X pills, and shrooms, I'm just too cool. Any higher was rude, cause I'm already struggling to not act as cool. I'm on another dude's record, my raps is cool. I Call my flows camps bay cause I'm just as cool so just be cool And stop hating on dudes who find gas and booze in Namibian sand dudes I'm on my heel dating Miriam cool Now that's cool forever cause I'm forever cool Deuces I cannot hurt you You cannot hurt me But something inside me Something you can't see You take what you want Program me for anything I don't have a choice My coding makes me pacifist
cannot leave you I'll never change Something inside me It's all rearranged You can't know what I want I cannot tell you of my love I don't have a choice And I will watch you die
There is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your hunter athletic gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, Hunter Athletic Gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection, and speed. Battle after battle, Hunter Athletic Gear is the brand celebrating your victory. Hunter Athletic Gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies, including compression pants, fight shorts, hoodies, vests, caps, and bikinis. They can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business. Visit their website at huntermma.co.za. Gear up and let's train. What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. It's well known that we live in a world where even good police officers can become targets for frivolous lawsuits. At X-Insurance, we provide liability insurance for police officers to eliminate your exposure and to protect you. We're the very best at what we do, and we've been doing it for more than 40 years. We offer same-day quotes and solutions, so call us today or have your insurance agent call us. But call today, and let's get that target off your back. For more information, visit xinsurance.com. That's xinsurance.com. Experience Highway 30 Music Fest 2021, June 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. Take the whole family and enjoy good food and drink, country music, Americana music, rock, and red dirt. Among the artists performing Wednesday, June 23rd, Tennessee Jet. We will run it like two stray dogs chasing squirrels through the stones. Need a path across the graveyard, spinning hell fire in our bones. The Steel Woods. There's a southern accent where I come from. And more. Sponsors of Highway 30 Music Fest 2021 include Bud Light, Falls Brand Independent Meat Company, and the Rob Green Auto Group. Have a blast while helping organizations and families in need. Highway 30 Music Fest will take place rain or shine. To order tickets and for more information, visit hwy30musicfest.com. Yo, baby, you've had your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, gear up, let's train, and USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard Joe Stam Band with Midwest Girl. Before that, Bad Mary with iRobot. Before that, JR with We Out Ya. I think that's how it says. Uh, before that, Kimberly Dunn with Traffic. And starting off the whole set, Revile with What You Got. All right, so in just a little bit, I'm going to be speaking with Eric Lorder, the ringside reporter. Going to be doing a tribute and discussion about Marvelous Marvin Hagler, who just recently passed away, a great boxing legend. Before we get to that, it's time to reveal... The Outlaw Radio, Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Idiot of the Week this week is some uh, comedian and actor by the name of Chip Franklin. I, I never heard of this bald-headed bastard before. Uh, he, he looks like a fucking douche. I said, uh, I'm sorry, he looks like a fucking douchebag. <laughs> but... Um, you know, uh, I said I'd lay off the politics. This is about really the only time where I'm uh, dabbling into politics for this episode. Basically, he says that uh, President Trump, former President Trump, doesn't deserve any credit for the vaccine. Of course, I'm still not taking the vaccine myself. Uh, however, uh, the vaccine was just starting to come out uh, before Trump left the White House, so it started on his watch, so he does deserve the credit. Instead, you give him credit for a bunch of people dying from COVID-19 or supposedly dying. So just like uh, Joe Biden did at the debates, basically like a fucking dickhead, you put the bodies at his feet. You know what, Chip? Fuck you. You're a fucking moron. All right. Let's uh, go on now to our... Our tribute to Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Ladies and gentlemen, the undisputed middleweight champion of the world, Marvelous Marvin Hagler.
Outlaw Radio remembers. So finally in the second hour, we can lay off the politics and talk about other things, but I do wish it was under better circumstances. And with that said, to join me in this segment, I want to welcome Eric Lord of the Ringside Reporter. Eric, how you doing, brother? Good, man. It's great to be on again. Yeah, yeah. It's been a little while since we talked. Absolutely, man. Yes, yes. So shortly after uh, I aired last week's episode of Outlaw Radio, I get the news that uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler had passed away. Um, and I must say, uh, when, we talk, when we talk about uh, a magical era in boxing... I, uh, Mar- Marvin Hagler, one of the toughest I've ever seen, uh, one of the most skilled middleweights. I mean, uh, I, not enough. I can, I can really say about him, you know, it's, I haven't seen a fighter like him since he retired. Yeah. You know, uh, he, you know, the, the crazy thing about Hagler is that he faced everybody. He didn't duck challenges. He faced all comers, man. Everybody, if you were a contender and, you know, and and I say this and I'm going to kind of date myself by saying this is like back when contenders meant something, you know, now you get guys in the top 10 that probably shouldn't be in the top 10. We got a a bunch of uh, the, you know, the alphabet soup, you know, the IBF, the WBA and, you know, WBO and. You have, you know, top tens in each one of those organizations. Back then, you pretty much had one or two. You had the WBA and the WBC, you know, and he fought everybody. I mean, he took all comers from the top ten. And if you were a top ten guy, you got a shot. Yes. You don't see that too much anymore. Yes, yes. I mean, I I mean, I, I really try not to uh, disrespect uh, Mayweather as as much, but uh, – you know, like I said, you know, he he may have just broken uh, Marciano's record with his win over Conor McGregor, but uh, still, with with that said, though, you know, he's not, to me, Floyd Mayweather Jr. He's he's not the contender that uh, like uh, of that of a uh, Muhammad Ali, a Rocky Marciano, a Sugar Ray Robinson, Sugar Ray Leonard, or a Marvin Hagler, for for example, I mean, uh, you know, he he pretty much, he if you ask me, he ducked Manny Pacquiao for so long. Then, and uh, yeah, it was after Manny Pacquiao had defeated uh, Ricky Hatton, I think uh, Mayweather got a little scared and said, "Okay, we can fight, but it's going to be under these conditions that we." You know, we, we don't drug test according to the Boxing Commission. We drug test under the way I say it is, blah, 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 you know. And then when he finally does meet Pacquiao, Pacquiao is not only injured, but pretty much past his prime. So it, it was as if the fight didn't, it was a high-selling pay-per-view, but still it was like it didn't matter. Guys like Mar- Marvin Hagler wouldn't wouldn't have ducked Pacquiao. He, he would have saw, saw the fight with... Uh, Ricky Hatton and said, bring it on. Let's do this. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because, uh, you know, in Pacquiao, when he fought Mayweather, he had already been knocked out by Marquez and that fight when, when he beat, when Pacquiao beat Hatton, that's when that fight should have been made. That's when that fight was hot. 
Yes. That's when it should have been made. That was at its most competitive right there. When it was made, I mean, both guys well, well past their prime, you know, and so the fight didn't really mean much. But you talk about guys who face, you know, who face those challenges and who would not have ducked a challenge. Everybody remembers the, the uh, Marvin Hagler, Thomas Hearns fight. That was like the iconic fight in uh, Caesars, three rounds, just action packed. But what people forget is the fight after that. Uh, Marvin Hagler took on John Mugabe. Yeah. Uh, John the Beast Mugabe. John the Beast Mugabe was 25 and 0 with 25 knockouts. And then, yeah, never been knocked out. And, and he got stopped, you know, got knocked out in the 11th round, you know, of a scheduled 12. You know, and that guy, that guy was a solid top guy. A lot of people were picking him in that fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And who, nobody searches out that guy to fight. They all, you know, he, he goes to Sugar Ray Leonard for the big payday, or he goes here for the big payday, or he, do, he goes somewhere else. Nobody goes to John, especially after Thomas Hearns. After that fight with Thomas Hearns, and then he goes to John Mugabe. To me, that was kind of like, that shows you what kind of fighter he was. You know, let's, let's talk about that fight with, uh, with Tommy the Hitman Hearns. I mean, we're talking, um, you know, both guys in the right mind are boxers, not really brawlers. But uh, you saw two boxers brawling in that fight. And you saw the true toughness of marvelous Marvin Hagler. He took a beating for those three rounds and still kept coming for, I mean, he, he, he was a, a Rocky Balboa in that fight. I mean, he, he really took a beating and just kept coming forward until, until he would knocked him out in the third round. I mean, normally you get that kind of action in a tough man contest, not, not really a solid boxing match like that, but right. Yeah. You know, I had a chance to go back and watch that fight again. And, uh, I was just, you know, they, they had the first round, you know, it was on like Facebook and they show you like the first round and I'm kind of watching, I'm like, you know, and, and there are certain fights you remember that were just, that, that'll just last in your memory. And that was one of those fights when you, you watch the first 10 seconds of that fight, you're hooked. You got to see what happens. You got to see how this plays out. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand how dangerous Tommy Hearns was. Tommy Hearns was real dangerous. I mean, that guy in his right, he carried dynamite in his right hand. I mean, this guy could put you away. He could put anybody away. You saw what he did to Roberto Duran with one shot. It was a one-punch KO, pitcher-perfect KO, right hand, boom, right right down the pike, man. Caught Duran, put him out. And the same thing here with Hagler. He cut him in the first round, but Tommy was staggered in the first round as well. Tommy had never been hit like that either. And it just went back and forth. And I mean, you knew there was no way this was going to the cards. No way they were going to finish this fight out. You know, yeah, no, this wasn't going to a decision. I mean, it was that was as back and forth as you'll see. I mean, it really is was as back and forth as you're likely to see. And the judges were split on it, uh, eighteen to twenty uh, when it ended. You know what I mean? They were split on it. Two had Hagler, one had Hearns. So, yeah, yeah. Pretty I crazy. mean, I got I got to admit though, I do think that. Uh, <laughs> That uh, there were a, a little bit of dirty tactics uh, there by uh, by marvelous Marvin because I did I did see a low blow and I did see an elbow thrown in that fight but I sure. don't, uh, but I don't think that uh, that really 
I don't know if that was, I don't think that was done with any intent. It's just that uh, when you're tied up in that kind of action so much, uh, you know, uh, accidents happen. And I mean that, you know, you let's, let's think to uh, a fight between uh, Andrew Galata and I, I can't, I can't remember Riddick that. Bo. No, Riddick not, Bo. not Riddick oh. Bo. No. Um, one of, one of Andrew Galata's later fights. Uh, okay. Uh, I can't, I think it, I can't remember the guy's name, but um, it it was just it was just a it wasn't even a boxing match. It wasn't a fight. It wasn't a boxing match. Uh, uh, what's his name was doing more hugging than uh, um, than uh, Floyd May- Mayweather did. He did more hugging in one round than than uh, Floyd Mayweather did in an entire fight. It was it was that bad. Oh wow! Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you, you have, you have fights like that, you know, uh, I think the guy's name was Ruiz. Okay. Yeah. John Ruiz. Yeah. yeah John, John Ruiz. Ruiz. Yeah. 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 John Ruiz was not known for his crowd pleasing style either. I mean, he was definitely one of those guys that clinch and kind of like a Vladimir Klitschko, uh, just not, not as talented, obviously, but mm-hmm. a lot of clinching, a lot of dirty boxing, that kind of thing. Yeah, so you know, you didn't you didn't have any of that between uh, Hearns and Hagler. You, I mean, you basically had fight, a fight that uh, these these were two guys who had maybe maybe they had nothing to lose, but they fought like they had everything to lose. Both of them. <laughs> And you know what? Like you said, man, neither one of them had anything to lose. I mean, they really didn't. Both both left the rings as superstars. Uh, Tommy Hearns went on to bigger and better things. Hagler went on to bigger and better things. It didn't matter who won, but they just left it. It's one of those, it's one of the very few fights that you can look back on and say, yeah, they left it all in there that night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the minute the bell rang, you know, I mean, it, uh, they were just going for it. Some you like you said. Once the fight started, there was no way the judges were gonna this this was gonna go to the final judges' bell. But you, you imagine though, if it did, if it did, I mean, I if it had gone longer than maybe uh, four rounds, somebody would have gotten tired. I think, but uh, I don't know. I I think if that fight had gone longer, it it would have been an exciting fight from bell to bell regardless. Well, I think that's what happened quite honestly. And a lot of people don't talk about that. They talk about the, the punishment, but I think Tommy Hearns gassed in that fight. It was at such a crazy pace. He was moving up in weight. It was at such a crazy pace that, and, and, you know, not to mention, you know, he was getting hit, but he was hitting too. Um, I think he did. I think he, he, that's a, a hard pace to keep. And Hagler, one thing he was known for is he was in shape. And he didn't tire. I mean, you were going to have to, you were going to beat him. You're going to have to beat him, you know? Yeah. And that's the main reason why uh, Mugabe had lost too, is uh, I, he didn't really get knocked out, even though it was ruled as a knockout. He was just exhausted after, right. after fighting uh, 11 rounds with the, with the marvelous one, you know, otherwise uh, you were right. You know, a lot of people don't know who John Mugabe was, you know, he's a Ugandan boxer who's basically forgotten and not even in the history books, but yet he was 25 and 0 
when he faced marvelous Marvin Hagler, and he was a legit contender. And when he when he stepped in, in into the ring that night, he stepped in to fight, and yeah. uh, and and Hagler Hagler took some good shots from him too. I mean, his oh, eye was yeah, swollen shut. Absolutely. And ironically enough, John, John, the beast Mugabe is really known for two fights. He's known for the Hagler fight and he's also known for the Terry Norris fight. Both he lost by knockout, you know, and those are the two that when you, when you hear that name, those are what you associate, which is unfortunate because he had a great career in his own right. Yes. Yes. And then of course, uh, who could, who could forget the fight uh, with uh, Sugar Ray Leonard? That was, that I mean, that was the first time I had ever heard of, uh, Marvin Marvin Hagler was uh, the fight with Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, I didn't prior to that. I didn't know about the fight with Thomas Hearns. Didn't know right. it, you know, because back in the eighties, you know, I mean, Sugar Ray Leonard, like Mike Tyson, was everywhere. Yeah, it, he was. He was definitely uh, the Madison Avenue poster boy. He he. They loved him. Advertisers loved him. Seven Up. You remember the Seven Up commercials? He, yeah. he did. Uh, Roberto Duran, I think he did one with him. Um, you know, the Ray Leonard fight, always, if, if you're a Hagler fan, it always left a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, you know, I we had this we had this discussion on uh, my show on Sunday. Ray Leonard did not win that fight. In my opinion, I, there's, Ray Leonard did not win that fight. And most people agree that Ray Leonard did not win that fight. Ray Leonard... Uh, you know, and he, he got, he, you know, a lot of people think he got a gift uh, in that ring that night. Uh, the other thing was, uh, the second Tommy Hearns fight, everybody knew that Ray Leonard lost that fight. Uh, Ray Leonard though, was a lot like Oscar De La Hoya was back in his heyday in the sense that he would get decisions that, you know, if, if it was close, he would get the nod, you know, but, uh, one of the judges had that fight 118 to 110 for, uh, Leonard, which I, I was just like uh. floored. Yeah. Uh, how in the world? I mean, come on. Now, looking but back yeah. on that fight, I can understand where somebody could make an argument if that fight may have been decided as a draw. But uh, for the most part, I saw um, I saw Hagler pushing the action, landing good punches, and I do think I, I agree with most people that uh, he won that fight. I mean, the dis the decision was given to Leonard. And no disrespect to Leonard because uh, I like Sugar Ray Leonard too. He he's got a oh, sure. he's got a unique style of his own. But uh, you know that that fight that decision should have been given to uh, to Hagler and much to Leonard's credit too. I mean, who how many people could really go the distance with Marvin Hagler? Not not many. Not many. Not many. That's for sure. I tell you what. Yeah, uh, what did what did he have? Like forty KOs or fifty two? He was sixty two uh, wins, fifty two knockouts. I mean, it's it's insane. And he was so disgusted by that Sugar Ray Leonard decision because he knew he won the fight. He felt he was robbed. He was so disgusted by that decision. Left America. He left America. Let that marinate for a minute. He just up and left the United States. Went to Italy. Became an actor. Never looked back. And Ray Leonard, if it is uh, some somewhat of a, I guess, some kind of satisfaction for, for Hagler, Ray Leonard always wanted a second bout with Hagler. And he says, man, we can make so much money and this and that. And uh, they wanted, he wanted a second bout with him. Hagler just said, 
Nope. You know, on the uh, on one hand, if I'm Hagler, I'm thinking, I won that fight. I got something to prove, and I'm going to go kick his ass this time around and, and not leave a doubt in anybody's mind. And in, a, in another sense, too, it's like uh, I'd be thinking, who does Ray Leonard have in his pocket? Who did he pay off? What did he do? Why did how did he get the decision so unfairly, you know? So if that if that's a case, I'm probably going to get robbed again, and is it really worth it? So, you know, there's two different scenarios to look at that. Otherwise, I'd have loved to see that rematch. Really, that was a very good fight. Yeah, I, I think that Leonard, in, in you know, he would, he would flurry in the last 30 seconds or so, and they were giving him rounds for that. And I'm like, well, what about the other two minutes and 30 seconds? You know, you can't just win around on 10 seconds. You just, you can't, you know, but they yeah. gave it to him and that's oh. what the judges said, but that's what Hagler thought too. And that's why I, I really respect that decision. I, re- I respect the decision of Hagler um, because Ray was the one asking for the fight, the rematch and Hagler kind of the balls in his court. And uh, Hagler said, no. And you know what? He stuck to his guns. And I, I think that's, I think it's great, man. He became a big star out in Italy, a big movie star, uh, was kind of the bad guy in a lot of movies from what I understand. And, uh, I think he married an Italian, I, uh, Italian, he has an Italian wife, I think, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, but yeah, man, he made a good living out there and good for him, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, well, he, he too. Yeah. He, he retired at, at a, at quite a young age. Yeah. If he did. Right after the Leonard fight, that was it. Last yeah. fight was in 87. That was it. Yeah, he was only 30 years old, too. And, well, back then, you know, I that was that was a pre- pretty much an advanced stage for a fighter back then. Uh, these days, uh, that's a fighter's prime now. Isn't that crazy? So, like, back then, once you hit 30, you were considered old. I mean, 31, 32, eesh, that's, uh, yeah, you're, you're really, really pushing it now. But yeah. now you see guys like Bernard Hopkins, uh, you see, you know, guys like in their thirties, thirties, you know, and they're, you know, sometimes pushing mid thirties and, and they're, you know, look at Terrence Crawford, look at, uh, what was it, uh, Deontay Wilder's in the, I think in his thirties, I believe, mm. I believe maybe. And I mean, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I think too, is where, where, where that all started though, was basically in MMA with Randy Couture or, uh, or maybe even with George Foreman at, at 45 at Randy Couture winning, yeah. he, he won. It's like, it's like it, it was something for George Foreman to win it at the age of 45. But then after Randy Couture won the UFC championship at the age of 40 against Tito Ortiz, you started seeing a lot more older fighters in both boxing and MMA. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, guys like that, you know, you, you know, with the vitamins, uh, with, with the, uh, you know, just people have strength trainers, people have, they have a better knowledge of how the body works and what's efficient and that, that pays dividends, man. It really yeah. does. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So, so let's talk about, uh, uh, Marvin, marvelous Marvin Hagler. Let's say him in his prime today against uh, against today's middleweights first off i'd i don't know if he'd beat uh, floyd mayweather in his prime but he'd put up a fight and i think he you know um i think mayweather would find a way to 
duck him or, or set some kind of terms and conditions, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, I just. I, well, they wouldn't fight. I'll tell you this right now. They wouldn't have fought at 160. Yeah. Uh, Mayweather, his top was 147, then went to one. I believe he won the title at 154 as well. But 154, that would have been pushing it. Because the other thing was, he Triple G was there right there at 160. And they, that, that fight could have very well happened for Mayweather. And, you know, Mayweather didn't want any part of it. The guy was too big. And I think it would have been the case here. They, they, he was, they were a little bit too far apart, I think. So, so imagine Marvin Hagler in his prime against a prime Canelo Alvarez. Mm-hmm. There, there. I think we've got a fight. It, it's funny because you know the fantasy fights. Um, <laughs> you know, we we break them down and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you know, I always say that you know, cars. If you if you take it like cars, okay, cars mm-hmm. don't get slower as they evolve. You know, mm-hmm. cars always get faster. And you look at uh, athletes of yesterday versus athletes of today. They always get bigger. They always get stronger. They always get faster. Um, there's, and even with the eighties, when the style translate, cause you could take the style back from the twenties and thirties where they had that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stand up, you know, straight up and their fist out, you know, you've all seen the old time box boxer pictures and stuff like that, where they have their, you know, like the 30 style boxing, you know, uh, wrist backwards and everything. You know, obviously that style wouldn't translate to today, but the 80s style I think would translate fairly well to today. I don't think there's there's too much, you know, there, there's not crazy differences. It's close enough. Canelo, if I'm being honest, man, if I'm being honest, Canelo, Canelo would beat Hagler fairly easy. I think anybody, when you cross eras like that, you know, when you talk about guys from like the eighties fighting guys, cause everybody, uh, thought it was blasphemous when I picked uh, sugar Ray Robinson to lose to, uh, like any kind of welterweight today of today's welterweights. I just don't think his style would translate very well. Um, but as far as Hagler goes, I think that, uh, yeah, I think Canelo's just Canelo's a different kind of animal. If, if that was, uh, but if all things were, but if you're asking me like if all things were even, yeah. Okay. All things were even, uh, and Hagler was fighting in this era, or Canelo was fighting in that era. Who would win? Man, I tell you what, that's a that's a very, very good fight. I, I still I got to give the nod to uh, Canelo. Canelo's a little bit faster, a uh, little quicker, a uh, little stronger. I believe. I believe he is stronger. Especially at that 160 mark, that oh, 160, he, 168 mark. He's just very that strong. body work that he puts in. He's hard to hit. He's just a nightmare. He's a nightmare for anybody out there right now. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And um, I don't know. I Last one I, I first heard, of, he was in his early 20s. I think now he's pushing his 30s where he's definitely in his prime right now. I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot of years left to do this, but well, I see, I see another ten years in his career, perhaps. But I tell uh, you, he is so good. I mean, he mm-hmm. really is. He's so good, uh, well trained. He doesn't have any crazy vices, from what I, you know, from what I understand. Uh, trains, trains a lot. Kind of stick, loves the sport, sticks with the sport. Um, is kind of in training year round. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only the only one from today's era that uh, I I I see uh, 
would just probably tear Hagler apart would be Errol Spence. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't think he'd do it with a one punch technique. I think it, it'd go over like, um, you take, uh, Hagler's, uh, endurance mm-hmm. and this, this fight either is a TKO in the later rounds or, or goes the decision. And it's a one-sided decision because I don't, I don't think, um, I think Hadler, or excuse me, Hagler would be a uh, game opponent, but he just would not be a match for the speed and the precision of somebody like Errol Spence. Well, I think again, all things being even. Okay. Um, you know, Errol Spence has to put on, you know, he's at 147. He would have to come up to 160. Yeah. So you take that into consideration. He wouldn't be used to carrying that weight. True. Okay? So that's going to that's gonna weigh on his stamina. You know, I think that would weigh on his stamina. The other thing is, too, he's not going to carry, my opinion, he wouldn't carry that strength up to 160 for one fight. Because we're not, you know, we're saying he's at 147 now. He'd have to go up to 160. I don't think he would be able to carry that strength up to 160 in just one fight. You know what I mean? So he would have to go from 147 to 160 and fight Hagler as the smaller guy. So he would be faster. I don't know. Once he once he gets hit, and once he gets hit a couple of times, I'm not sure how that fight goes. I got to be honest. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know, I I mean. Uh, I see something very special in Errol Spence ever since I saw that fight with Chris Van Heerden. But uh, yeah, there, there's always sure. oh, yeah. it, there's always that question is, uh, you know, nobody's really touched that chin yet. You know, Mike Tyson said everybody's got a plan until they get hit. You know, and I have not seen him uh, take a, a good clean shot and see how he's going to react to it. So you got a good point there. Well, and he's fought a lot of good guys. Errol Spence has fought a lot of good guys. But he hasn't fought any killers. You know, he hasn't fought a Terrence Crawford. He hasn't fought anybody like that. And a guy like Terrence Crawford, who we know can get you out of there. Would it, you know, you know, that that's a great fight, and that's what people are clamoring for. Now, whether it gets made or not, you know, that's you know, that's neither here nor there. But that's what, you know, I mean, Danny Garcia, you know, obviously Danny Garcia, again, good, good fighter, not exactly a killer, you know. Um, so yeah, you kind of wonder uh, where Errol Spence goes from here because I mean, but he, you know, he can make a lot of money just fighting the guys he's fighting. So I don't, I don't know that he really needs Terrence Crawford, but, but that's how it goes now. You know, it's more, uh, it's not really about who's the best anymore. It's about who, who makes me the money. Yeah, that's know? that's what I was about to get to. Is you know, the era has changed so much, and that's that point you're making right there has is what. Partly, I mean, I uh, for the most part of what I'm about to say, I blame for the most part Don King and uh, Bob Arum for what I'm about to say for the most part. But uh, fighters like um, like Mayweather are also to blame, you know, uh, for taking the magic out of the era that uh, Hagler comes from. Yeah, you know. You know, and and it, like I said, it, it's really turned into a, a money game, but it's always been about money. You know, I mean, it really has. It's always been about money, but everybody always found a way to get it done. These guys don't seem to have that, to find that way to get it done. You know, and that's, I think that's the unfortunate part. But, you know, on the flip side of that, if, if uh, you know, I'll be honest, man, if, if Errol Spence is my son, yeah, okay, 
I'm going to tell him to take the easiest fight possible for the most amount of money. <laughs> there you go. I mean, we, I mean, really, like if you if you look at it from that aspect, you know, it's it's I understand it and it's frustrating. It's hard to blame them, though. <laughs> you know, if they have that, you know, it's like one of those things like if you have that option, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it, you know. <laughs> you know, and it, it's kind of funny you mentioned this, too, because um, it was just a, a couple of days ago, actually, I was watching uh, that old movie with Clint Eastwood and his uh, orangutan, not, not the first one, uh, the second one, Any Which Way You Can. And yes. there, there was something uh, that was said at, towards the end of that, uh, end of that uh, movie, is after, after the fight... Clint Eastwood's got his arm broken, and but uh, they 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 said uh, due to some complications, you know, it's it said that the uh, one of the betters, uh, you know, when they were playing poker, they said uh, they said you know that they said that's not going to cover ninety cents on the dollar isn't going to cover the the cost of the fuel for the plane, and he said, well, it's it's worth it's worth the extra money to see a fight like that. And it, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody says anything like that anymore when it comes, when we think of today's era in boxing. Well, and you know, the other thing too, is that if you remember that movie and of course it's a movie, yeah. um, the fight started in a hangar, like a warehouse type place. Yeah. And nobody knew what was going on. It was just those two who wanted to see who was the best. Yeah. Yeah, they because they didn't want they didn't really want to to make uh, the betters rich. They just wanted to they just wanted to test each other out is what they wanted to do. But then once the fight got attention, all bets were on. Right. You know. Right. But it's it's the fact that they started out and just wanted to see who the best was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know it's. I don't know. That's that's the era in boxing I really, really miss the most. I mean, when do you think it? When do you think it actually started to to fizzle out and evolve into what we have now? The Mayweather era. I mean, that was it. I mean, the Mayweather era was it when he when he really went to welterweight because he was making great fights at light uh, lightweight. When he went to welterweight, that's when kind of the lights got shut off. And, uh, he would take guys, you know, he fought good guys, but he would fight them just a little bit past, you know, just when they were a little bit, you know, when they were a court low, you know, uh, a little bit past their prime, taking them, you know, mm-hmm. taking them, taking a few too many shots and Mayweather, the, the crazy thing about it is that Mayweather was one of the best ever. He really was. Yeah. And he didn't need to do that, but I mean, you know, he gave himself the advantage and, well, he tur- he turned it in. I mean, boxing will always be a sport, but he turned it into a business, is sure. what he did. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and you take guys like uh, Mayweather works with uh, work with Al Heyman, and uh, Al Heyman, of course, owns the the PBC, and that's kind of what they that's that's kind of their their whole thing over there is that they take the the fight that's going to get you the most money because Al Heyman is a manager. Mm-hmm. You know, and take the most money with the least amount of risk. And that's a manager's job is to get you the most money possible with the least amount of risk. That's his job. Now, a promoter's job is to put the best fights together, you know, put the best fights together, get the word out, everything like that. You know, uh, we want to make sure our guy wins, 
you know, but we want to put the best fights together. And under the PBC banner, they have the best fighters on the planet who just don't fight each other. (laughs) You know, they've got a million fighters over there. Like somebody, come on, man, fight somebody here. I mean, and I can understand your point of view too, is like you said, if you're, if you're, uh, you have a son who's uh, climbing through the ranks. You're going to say, "Take the easiest, easiest you can, make the most money you can that way." But sure. at, but at the same time, you as a fan, so to take family aspect out of it, you want to see some action. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't want to see Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford? You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely, you want to see that fight. You know, if I'm, uh, you know. Errol Spence's father or Terrence Crawford's father, I, you know, hey, hey, can you fight this guy for, you know, a million dollars less, you know, and he's a lot easier, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, I, and I I have to imagine, too, uh, getting back to the uh, Hagler-Hearns fights, I, I just I can't imagine what the, what the corners were, were telling them um, between rounds, too, what, as long as it, as it as it lasted, of course, there's they only had to go through it a couple of times, but uh, you know, it's today's era. I mean, we need we as boxing fans, we as combat sports fans, whether it be MMA, boxing, kickboxing, full contact karate, whatever it may be, you know, we need to look we need to look back at on a warrior. Like uh, marvelous Marvin Hagler, you know who? Uh, I mean, he had heart, he had skill, he had determination, he had power. He was the full package. Yeah. And there's just never going to be one like him again. I feel. It, it'll be tough to find, and I mean, if you think about those '80s fighters and everything like that, the uh, Hearns, uh, Leonard, and. Uh, Hagler, Duran, all those guys, you know, Larry Holmes to an, you know, Larry Holmes, all the guys back in the eighties who just fought everybody. I mean, who just fought all comers, you know, but where do we see that now? I think we see that in the UFC. I think we see that in MMA. And I think that's probably why, you know, and it's I guess, and I, you can make the argument that they're both, you know, you could say, well, MMA is much more exciting. Well, I don't know. I mean, boxing is pretty exciting and there is a, a fair amount of wrestling and grappling in MMA that, that you kind of look at and you're like, God, what did these guys get up? What are they doing? You know, if, if you're not, if you don't know what they're doing, you're just kind of sitting there like, why, why don't they get up and punch each other? You know, uh, you know, and the thing is like, you know, all those guys in the UFC, they will fight, they fight everybody. You know, if you're, if you're on a win streak and they, if, if the public is clamoring for a fight, that fight will happen. I mean, uh, no questions asked, you know, that's, and that, that's where the magic in the UFC is basically started back in uh, 2005 with, uh, Stefan Bonner and, uh, Forrest Griffin in the, in yes. the, uh, first, uh, ultimate fighter finale, you know, I mean, and Hearns and Hagler were going toe to toe just like that. Mm-hmm. So it had probably been since the about twenty years take, when when that fight happened between uh, Bonner and Griffin. It probably had been almost twenty years since people had seen a fight like that. You still, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't see too many fights like that. You know, those two man, they just went at it. 
And it's one of those things that you didn't, you know, a lot of people didn't even know who they were, you know, and it's like, but you couldn't look away. You know, you had to, hey, hey, did you catch this fight? You got to watch this fight. I mean, just kind of, you know, kind of like the, you put the tough man contest on and if you get enough people to watch it, I mean, I mean, uh, basically uh, what they are, people who who are uh, lower skilled than amateur boxers who are just in there giving it their all because they only have, they have three minutes to do it. One minute rounds of 16 ounce gloves, you know. I yeah. mean, that's why they have it set that way because nobody's going to know who they are, so they got to make it exciting somehow. And yeah, and, there's and I don't know that there's really any more of that. I mean, you know, you look at these big contracts and everything they're getting, and uh, you know, I mean, you're talking about a lot of the big time fighters fighting for you know uh, millions of dollars, you know, and. Uh, you know, they, they're going to get paid regardless, win or lose. Uh, but in, you know, MMA, you know, you get the win money and you get the show, you the show money and the win money. And that's a pretty big motivator. That's you know, a lot of guys got that contract. You know, one thing too, I, I just got to say this. I mean, I hope one day that uh, Vince McMahon will bring back the brawl for all. Even, <laughs> even though that, that, let me tell you what, that is never, ever coming back. Oh, uh, that did you sucks. See the documentary on that. Yes, I did. I mean, uh, there, I mean, there's a way to do it, but, uh, you know, and <laughs> matching a Bart gun with Butterbean was a stupid decision because Butterbean was a legitimate professional boxer sure. and uh Bart gun had no chance in that fight, but you know, put the, put the wrestlers together. And uh, and see who the best fighter is. I'd love to see that again. I would too. I think from a fan's perspective, it was great. But from a, a wrestling standpoint, you know, they put all the regs in the uh, Doctor Death basket. And uh, you know, when he went out, I mean, when he went out, and you know, they were they they didn't even give it a thought that he wasn't going to win. Yeah. You know, and when he lost, it's like, what do we do now? Now we got this guy, you know, the guy who won, Bart Gunn who wasn't involved in any storylines, wasn't involved in, in anything, you know, and, and realistically, Steve Blackman probably should have won that whole thing. You know, <laughs> Steve Blackman, I mean, who was just really good and le- like a legit fighter. I mean, he was, he was legit. He was a good guy. Uh, you know, Dan Severn was another one who yeah. uh, didn't do very well in there. Steve Blackman, I think they pulled him. They said somebody had an injury or something like that. I never really bought it, but, uh, yeah. Well, if it, it- but, yeah, I mean, uh, aside from Ken Shamrock, who had already been in MMA, uh, yeah. if if there was there was a legit fighter in there uh, that would have done well in MMA, it was it would have definitely have been Steve Blackman. Bar Gun, though, he he could fight. I mean, he it wasn't without reason that he won that that tournament. He was awkward. He was a little bit awkward, but he threw big, heavy punches. You know, uh, big, strong guy knew how to punch. And a lot of times, you know, when you're in that tough man scenario, that's all you need. You yeah. know, if you have a little bit of skill, that goes a long way there, man. Now, can you imagine if um, Marvin Hagler had, had done a tough man match? I mean, he was a legit boxer, but. Uh, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I mean, just the fact that he was like a legit boxer. I mean, I couldn't even imagine anybody like uh, put King of the Tough Man in there. I, I don't care. 
uh, that that would be a rough go for whoever goes up against. <laughs> I mean, that. I mean, well, it can't be just anybody. I mean, somebody like, you know, you can't have matches like Bart Gunn against Butterbean that are completely uh, no contest. But if you have you have somebody in there and you change up change up the rules, especially if if uh, the fight against Sugar Ray Leonard had been a tough man fight instead of a boxing match. He w- oh he would have destroyed Leonard completely. I tell you, you know, uh, just going back to that brawl for all, it was funny when that when that got announced that Butterbean was going to fight that guy uh, Bart Gunn. I was just like, what? <laughs> you know, I was like, Butterbean's like, you know, in boxing, you know, he's good, and he, everybody pictures him as like a sideshow. Yeah, everybody viewed him as like a sideshow. But the bottom line is, look, man, I mean, the guy is trained. He's a trained fighter. I mean, this guy can hurt you. I mean, it's not like he doesn't know what to do. He knows how to duck. He knows how to throw a punch and use his weight and everything like that and move. You can't just, I mean, what did you think? You can put anybody in there? I mean, just if you think it's like, I mean, a lot of people like, uh, you know, you you go to fights. And I know, I guess back before COVID and everything, when you when we actually went to fights, Everybody who's at the fight thinks they can fight, you know, but the bottom line is like a guy who goes to the gym every day and does this just on an amateur basis will beat 99% of the people out there in a street fight. Well, I mean, it just is, yeah. you know, I mean, I learned that lesson the hard way too myself when I stepped into the ring myself, you know, I mean, but I, I had trained for it, but to, you know, uh, for for people who, who watch TV and drink beer and, and sit on the couch and think, oh, I can do this or I can do that, you know, they don't, they really don't understand the whole concept. You know, it's, it's a, a good comparison is singing. Anybody can sing yes. in the shower and they think they sound good. But once you're, once you're, have a microphone in your hand and you're in front of a bunch of people, <laughs> it's a, it's a whole different ballpark. Yeah, you know, it ain't it ain't karaoke night, my man. It's like, you know, you you get a microphone and uh, just sing in front of Simon Cowell and let him rip you apart, you know. Uh, yeah. it's yeah. I mean I mean uh I I mean my training couldn't couldn't have uh prepared me for the roaring crowd. It was a completely different atmosphere once I stepped in the ring. You know, and I mean once the bell rung, I, I went in there and started throwing punches because it was like one of those tough man contests. But that but but that moment can get overwhelming. And uh pe- you know, people can say, Oh, I can do that all they want, but they have no idea what they're talking about. No. No, and until you know, and the other thing is too, like when uh you know, you get hit for the first time, you oh. know, hard. You know, I mean, you know, you get you get hit for the first time hard. And you're not used to getting punched in the face. Ooh. Yeah, that that you know you got to condition yourself for all that. It's not like you know you could just go out there and take a shot to the face. You take a shot to the face, all of a sudden, now yeah. you 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 start thinking about things. Oh, no longer is everything just flowing. Now you start thinking, well, if I throw this again, he's going to hit me again. If I go, you know, then you now all of a sudden now it becomes dangerous for you. You know, in fact, you don't even think you just react because I I know what it, how it was when I got hit. And, you know, I mean, I got hit in training, but I did, but once when my opponent landed his first shot, I landed the first shot of the fight, of course. But uh, then he landed right afterwards, and after that, it was just all instinct. 
you know, and then, uh, when it came from my last fight, I was training with Richard Montoya. He beat the shit out of me. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he was, he's former WEC light heavyweight champion, knocked out guys yeah. with one punch. He floored me wearing a 16 ounce glove, throwing a jab. I get up, I, I finish the round of sparring and then I'm told to take my headgear off because I have a cut. And he did that with a 16-ounce glove. But I'll tell you what, that's what prepared me for the fight because I guarantee my opponent didn't hit as hard as Richard. No. Uh Uh-uh. I mean, so you got to – one thing, if you think you want to fight, you got to be prepared to get your ass beat. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, and and you took uh, some MMA and stuff like that and, like, uh, jiu-jitsu, and I've taken some jiu-jitsu and everything, and, like – I remember my first night in there, you know, and they, they pair me up against this guy and I'm like, just a kind of a taller guy, kind of skinny, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I'm going to maul this guy. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what is this guy going to do to me? There's no, there's, there's no possible way this can go any other way. I'm going to grab him. I'm going to throw him down and I'm just going to, I'm going to maul him, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, that didn't go as planned. Let me tell you, uh, I couldn't even move that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, and like, you know, he would get me in different positions, you know, like I would be on top, then he'd reverse it real quick. And he was just completely playing, you know, yeah. he could have done anything to me he wanted. I mean, he could have put me in any kind of hold. I mean, obviously he's teaching me stuff and he's a, he's a super nice guy, man. But I mean, that's the thing, man. You, you think, you know, you don't know, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yes, most definitely, <laughs> most definitely. But uh, you know, it's, we kind of got sidetracked there. But uh, <laughs> these these things happen a lot. But um, you know, um, it, it was like I said. You know, I mean this uh, last this last week it was really sad, and so I felt it only necessary to um, to pay tribute to uh, the marvelous one because. I get, like I said, there's never going to be a, uh, I mean, there, there, there's going to be some great fighters in the future. I have no doubt about that, but there's never going to be a marvelous Marvin Hagler again. No. And you know, it, the news hits you like a ton of bricks when you read it. Yes. You know, when you read this, it was like, whoa, like no way that can't be true. You yeah. know? And then you look it up and well, it's true, you know? And it's, it's just one of those things that hit you. It's like, because you grew up watching this guy. You know, I saw a majority of his fights, you know, grew up with this guy, grew up watching this guy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you hear this news, you're like, what? And he's been gone since 87, but it doesn't feel like it. You know what I mean? It feels like just yesterday you saw him. You, you know, see the Hearns fight lives forever. You know what I mean? It's, and it's, it, and it's not like, uh, you know, when Muhammad Ali died, you know, when, when Muhammad Ali died, I actually felt relief for him because I knew he'd been suffering for a long time. Right. Uh, Marvin, yeah, he, obviously you hated to see, you know, hated that, but, but you're right. I mean, he would, he, you know, he, you knew he had Parkinson's for a long time. His, his quality of life was not, you know, yeah. the best, put it that way. You know, so, I mean, it, and I just felt it, it was really of no surprise. It was, it was his time. You know, he was in his seventies. It, it was time for him to go, you know, even, even though I'm still sad to see him go, but I'm, I'm relieved for him. Uh, somebody, but this, this was much different. It was unexpected and, you know, it was tough, man. This yeah. was tough. 
Yeah. It was like uh, getting bad news. You ever get bad news and you get that feeling in your stomach and everything like that? Your stomach kind of goes in knots. You're like, yeah. no, no, no way. Yes. Yeah, that's, that was kind of the feeling you got, man. Yes. Well, with that said, though, I'm going to – we are out of time for the segment. We've actually been – Talking for almost 50 minutes. Can you believe that? <laughs> I cannot. No, I cannot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that was a lot of fun. And I mean, even though it's the, yeah, I wish we could talk under better circumstances, it's still fun sure. conversation. And uh, Mar- Marvin Hagler, uh, no, I know you're up there, probably going to spar with the likes of Kimbo Slice and um, Joe Frazier and a lot of greats up there. You will not be forgotten. We will forever miss you. Rest in peace. So with that said, uh, we got to hit our music set. But before we get to that, uh, Eric, why don't you go ahead and uh, plug the uh, Ringside Reporter so uh, people know where to go. Absolutely. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, you can uh, just do Ringside Reporter. Uh, you can catch us on ringsidereporterlive.com. Our show is live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. And you can catch me uh, at ringside73 on Twitter. All right. Well, Eric, I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, when more things come up, uh, we have to do it again so I can uh, lay off these political topics. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. All right. You take care. You too. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to the next music set. Coming up, we have Soul Block, going to be followed by Gina Serrano, formerly uh, Gina Giordano, but she got married and Name changed, of course. Uh, then we have Atira Tail, Big Chuck, and Charlie Drown. Be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask... Do you mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan. <laughs> I feel like I'm the only one that still believes in me. I got everything I need, blessed by the Trinity. Got the confidence of Muhammad Ali, the determination of Chuck D, the focus of the Chief of Bruce Lee. Let's go, come on. Jump in the saddle to the vibe of the rattle. Stir it up, rattle, get ready for the battle. No more sitting here waiting, the calendar's getting. Running my written up the hill like pain. You know what you want, man, just gotta do it You know what you need, man, just gotta do it You know you can do it, man, just gotta do it The ball's in your hand, man, so just shoot it No more draining my life by complaining It's raining, you can't cause it's raining I'm training, straining, putting the pain in Everything remaining in the raining Every day I'm gaining, I'm aiming The goal of attaining that belt I'm claiming My title, I'm aiming the raining Mr. Combat, yeah, you know what's up with that Tired. We're sick and tired. We're sick and liars. Gonna be the one to the red. She's the one that wanted this 
about She's the one predicting the route She's the one living with doubt She's the one talking knockout Visualizing everything symbolizing Everything I care about She's been victimizing Analyzing and strategizing My corners advising The plan I'm devising Maximizing or what he's minimizing Surprising through pain agonizing My arms rising What I've been despising Lying on the mat Now you know what's up with that about Stacy's Taco. Stacy Rios Taco. Try it today. Everyone's on the diet. The new Stacy's Taco diet that tastes great and has zero calories. Who here has tried Stacy's Taco? I was never a big taco eater until I tried Stacy's Tacos. Stacy's Taco tastes great and has zero calories. I lost 25 pounds trying Stacy's Taco. Stacy's Taco will keep you coming back for more. Stacy Rios Taco. Try it today. For the woman I am I work real hard for the things I have Just doing the best I can Sometimes I drink too much And I get real loud But I live the life I want Ain't nothing holding me down If that's all a little too much for you Just keep on moving down the road
In South Africa, genocide of white people, black-on-white violence, is rampant and ongoing. The South African mainstream media has kept this genocide hush-hush, and South Africa's politicians have been silent about it. It's time for the silence to end. Enter USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. USAC Incorporated comprises groups and individuals around the world working together to create public global awareness of the genocide in South Africa and to develop community restoration programs that will make South Africa a safe place for all races to thrive. To join USAC and for more information about USAC and what you can do, visit USAC.center. That's U-S-A-C dot center. USAC, working to bring back a safe, truly unified South Africa. This is the Renegade Show. You have three different scenarios here, and I'll give them to you. No, I said scenarios, not Cheerios. Coming to you coast to coast and around the world on your favorite radio station. How did you get Cheerios from scenarios? All right, it's time for the Renegade Pick of the Week countdown. Here we go, counting it down all the way to number one. Who farted? Yeah, we'd like to welcome you to the Renegade family. Does anybody even remember Doogie Hauser? I think it's fair to warn you that by listening to this show, you're committing a misdemeanor in four states. Three children are asking their parents where babies come from. Two children run away, and one mother ends up crying by the end of the show. This is the Renegade Show. Go to Facebook.com slash Radio Chris Master to find out days, times, and stations of where you can catch the Renegade Show. Hey, everybody, it's your boy West Dog from the GF6 Show reminding you to check us out on the baddest station on the planet. For station and broadcast times, go to www.gf6.com. That's G-F-S-I-X.com. You know what we do. Blow it up. Support Outlaw Radio and Friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Show the world how much you love Outlaw Radio with Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including water purification by Berkey, delicious long-term storable food by My Patriot Supply, the New Eden Nutritional Support System, the Ionic Toothbrush System, a better way to clean your teeth, the Invisible Mask, a negative ion generator, that hangs from your neck like a pendant that mitigates incoming pollution. The High Ion Bio-Key Quantum Scalar Energy Pendant, EMF mitigating fabrics and clothing, and some really cool infrared night vision binoculars. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live, entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Some of the best blends from around the world, including Serato and Grindhouse Brew. Visit OutlawRadioABS.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take your shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. 
Hunter Athletic Gear Up Let's Train and USAC the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard Charlie Brown with a cover of um, Midnight Oil's classic Beds Are Burning. Before that, Big Chuck with Party Song. Before that, A Tear a Tale with Feeding the Crows. Prior to that, Gina Serrano with The Woman I Am. And starting off the whole set was Soul Block with Knock Em Out. All right, so there is not a lot of time and uh, got to make this quick. It, as Chris would say, it is time. This is Outlaw Radio. News of the Weird. From the Outlaw Radio newsroom, it is I, Bad Billy. All right, so with just less than 10 minutes to go, not going to cover any stories, just going to read a few shower thoughts. Water is never truly yours. It's just your turn to drink it. The air fryer was probably invented by a guy who just wanted reheated McDonald's fries to taste good. If we ever colonize on other planets and Earth is destroyed, there will be inevitably no Earther conspiracy theorists within a decade. Age will hit you sooner than expected. It will pass you like a speeding duck. And ain't that the fucking truth? Parachutes probably never get negative reviews. Unless they don't deploy. Everyone owns a microwave, but there aren't any microwave commercials. There used to be. Florida is a GTA server. Okay. Uh, One day, the oldest archaeological finds on Mars will be robots. Instead of having kids in order to one day have grandkids who will take care of you, you could just live to your 70s and then seduce and marry someone's grandma and then her offspring will look after you too because you've made her happy. The internet didn't make more pedos. It made more pedos show themselves. Nice one. I like that. Avocados are vegetables of the fruit world, and tomatoes are fruits of the vegetable worlds. Rain smell may be most may be the most relaxing smell. I, I agree with that. I, so I like the way it smells after a rainstorm some days you step outside. Dogs love belly rubs, scratches, because they can't do it themselves. Robbing, robbing a bank with a gang of Alzheimer's patients virtually guarantees nobody spills the beans during the police interrogation. Being smart in a room full of dumb people makes you feel less intelligent than being dumb in a room full of smart people. People, will event, people with extremely bad reflexes will never flinch when someone pretends to punch them in the face, thus making them seem like a badass. 
Insects buzzing in your ear in real life is annoying, but insects buzzing in your ear in a game is immersive. Uh, immersive, I guess that's how it's... I never use that word. I don't know what it means. I'm not going to look it up. The air... The Air and Space Museum will still be an accurate description without its exhibits. There is no way a lot of people in the MCU didn't mistake the blip for the, rep the rapture. Saying, don't take advice from me is a paradox. Okay. <laughs> Uh, textbooks tend to have more pictures than regular books. If you don't live in Indiana, you must live in out India, outianda. <laughs> okay, flossing really shows how bad toothbrushes are at cleaning your teeth. Oh no, women bond over compliments while men bond over insults. In an infinite number of universities, infinite number of an infinite number of them are exactly the same. There is no smell like the smell of an inside of the inside of a TV remote. We created they so they could not fight us. Action and horror games are the same. The only difference is the lighting. Well, laughing is the universal language, and that's very, very true. Whomever made the fireplace was not creative. No matter what opinion one person has, there will always be a single individual who will take that offensively. And this politically correct, fucked up world we live in, that... There is no doubt about that. High school is is free game while college is a paid DLC. Human, <coughs> excuse me, human beings utterly, excuse me, human beings who look utterly defenseless unless covered in animal skins or or weaved or weaved plant fibers. If ghosts are real, they are probably exploring the world that, excuse me, if ghosts are real, they are exploring the world, not haunting empty, dark, dirty rooms. Someone out there might have an ugly person fetish. Eh, no doubt about that. That's, that's probably true. There's no marketing as powerful as a girl saying, that shirt looks good on you at a clothing store. Maiden Voyage is a double... Uh, words I can't pronounce. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. When you, pee on a, when you pee in a plant, you turn, you turn into a human watering can. <laughs> Hell yes is the opposite of heaven's no. And finally... You can be a liar and not break any of the seven deadly sins. That, ladies and gentlemen, will do it for News of the Weird slash Shower Thoughts. 
Uh, yeah, there's, I had to keep it short because, uh, well, the segments I had on today's show were long. So anyway, next week, um, I'm ta- like I said, I'm talking to Sean O'Donnell, going to have some things in the lineup, you know, and uh, like, yeah, keeping it, uh, keeping the po- politics in a, uh, at a minimal this time felt pretty good. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to end the show with... Uh, stacked. Now they're a band out of Boise who are haven't been around for quite some time. Uh, in fact, this uh, song you're about to hear is uh, probably about 20 years old. This is Stacked with Too Much to Live. Thank you very much for tuning in to Outlaw Radio, and I will be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio.
Hey everyone, Bad Billy here. Do you own a business? Or perhaps you're in a band. Or maybe you run a radio show or podcast. Whatever you do, you want to market your brand with custom-made apparel. Look no further than fresh-baked tees. T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, caps, beanies, koozies, banners, and even masks. You can get them all custom-made from fresh-baked tees. Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to freshbakedtees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. If you've been searching for a show that talks about what's trending in the world, entertainment gossip, stupid news, and more, sizzling talk radio that is not dumbed or watered down, a show that is not for pussies, then you need to stop searching and check out The Charles Richardson Show. It's uncensored talk radio. No crybabies. No losers. No fucktards. Charles Richardson and crew bring it 100% with real opinions. If you can't take it, Get the fuck out. You can even call the show and flap your gums, provided you have a brain. For the 411 stations and showtimes, like The Charles Richardson Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Charles Richardson Show. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. The Charles Richardson Show. You want some? Come get some. The Ayatollahs of Iran and every terrorist you enable. Listen up. You might have met our fresh-faced flower child president and his weak-kneed Ivy League friends. But you haven't met America. You haven't met the heartland where the people will defend this nation with their bloody, callous, bare hands. That's what it takes. You haven't met the steel workers and the hard rock miners or the swamp folks in Cajun country who can wrestle a full-grown gator out of the water. You haven't met the farmers, the cowboys, the loggers, and the truck drivers. You don't know the mountain men who live off the land or the brave cops who fight the good fight in the urban war zones. No, you've never met America. And you ought to pray you never do. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm Freedom's safest place. Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy, the one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too, no matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208 
All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at OutlawRadioABS.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. Here I am sitting on a porch writing another song about Waylon Willie David Allen Cole. You can't go wrong. Such great outlaw boys just like me. George Jones Can't go wrong 